Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. It's time to check in with the Vancouver Suns' Vaughn Palmer to find out what's happening today. Good morning to you. Good morning, Jill, and welcome to Throne Speech Day in British Columbia. Yes, big, big day. What are we expecting? Well, I'm expecting a desperate attempt to change the channel, actually, Jill. Uh, John Horgan made it pretty clear on his Twitter feed what his theme is, which is, you know, we're putting the pandemic behind us and we're going to come out stronger on the other side. His problem uh, is well identified by uh, British Columbia's international fame. The UK Guardian reported it on the weekend. The headline is Canadian Ski Resort Linked to Largest Outbreak of P1 COVID Variant Outside Brazil. The pandemic numbers are still awful here in British Columbia, some of the worst numbers we've seen. But the Premier wants us to move on, so the throne speech today will be a struggle, I predict. Uh, it does seem a bit strange, especially since we're also going to be getting today's numbers. So yeah. won't, it, won't that be happening right after the throne speech? Yeah, the, yeah that's interesting. Yeah, it's a, it's a, so uh, if you're on the John Horgan agenda at 2 o'clock, it's the throne speech. If you're at the hand-wringing over the pandemic agenda, that's at 3 o'clock. Uh, and I know we'll be reporting both today, but uh, it really is. It's a really sharp contrast because, um, you know, I, I... Yeah, we're getting vaccinated. Yes, the vaccines are at hand. Yes, uh, we hope to get beyond this. But um, the numbers are really bad here. I mean, I, I know NW is reporting the um, the uh, interventionist vaccinations at, at Whistler. Well, it's related to the problem at Whistler. And uh, again, the other problem we've had, uh, all the news organizations in the province have been struggling with, which is getting all the information, all the detail we need uh, from the government. They, they aren't as open and transparent as they've made themselves out to be. Uh, no, and that's certainly been one of the concerns. So even though we've been told they're extremely transparent, we can look to other jurisdictions and certainly find more detailed information. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I mean, it, it's look, today's theme, putting the third wave behind us, if you go back to the throne speech that the Oregon government delivered on December the 7th, this is their second throne speech since the election, right? So the first one was December the 7th. Well, the theme of that one was putting the second wave behind us. And since December the 7th, here's a couple of statistics that won't be in today's throne speech. Um, we've gone from the second wave to the third wave. Uh, since December the 7th, the COVID-19 toll in British Columbia has tripled. B.C. has added 70,000 cases since December the 7th. It has added almost 1,000 deaths. So far from putting the second wave behind us, well, we did because we got to the third wave. And, uh, you know, I, it's just um, the question I thought the, uh, the Green leader, Sonia Firstenau, uh, raised it last week, which is, had the government stepped in sooner, acted sooner, had we done more sooner, 
could we have at least minimized the third wave, avoided some of the toll? I think it's an open question. And as I said, I don't think um, we can really talk about putting the, the third wave behind us, particularly, Joe, with the other thing, which I hear NW reporting this morning, which is a warning that um, vaccine supplies are uh, not going to be as good. Uh, it's going to be a slowdown for the next few weeks. So, uh, we've also got, uh, again, you're reporting it, and an open question, I think, this afternoon for the 3 o'clock briefing. Uh, they appear to be diverting supplies of Pfizer and Moderna, uh, as they should be, in my view, to high-risk areas, to Whistler, to police, uh, first responders, uh, firefighters in Surrey. Uh, I think they need to do that, but again, supplies are limited. So what does that do to the general rollout for the general population? Uh, exactly. And people will be asking that because people see that as well. And and I think, and Gordon and I talked about this a bit earlier, there, there is a different reaction when we're talking about first responders, uh, people who are out and, and are doing these very important jobs every day and are at high risk. And we want to keep our restaurants open and we want to make sure that the economy is, is moving along. But I think people do react differently when we, when we look at mass uh, vaccinations at a restaurant as opposed to frontline paramedics or first responders. Yeah, I agree, Jill. And I, and I know, Simi, Sarah and I talked about this last week. This is another struggle. And I mean, I'm not, the news media, we're, we're trying to do our job as always, and I'm not claiming we're, we're in a hardship position. But, but one of the things that we've been hearing back is, well, you can't question, you know, because you can't question Dr. Bonnie Henry. Well, it's not a case of questioning her, although she has questioned her own decisions at times. It's more a case of, had we acted sooner, had we done things differently, had we diverted supplies in a different way or cracked down sooner or given a, a, a stronger message to the public instead of this excessive optimism we're hearing from the premier, would the thing have unfolded differently? I mean, that's really what we're asking. And the other thing we've struggled with, and you, again, you just referred to it now, is getting the data we need to understand things. They're not as open and transparent as they've made it out to be, and that's also difficult given what, you know, it, it's easier in my view to persuade the public to take certain actions if they're really filled in on what's going on. And at times, we've been reduced to guessing. A good example is how the P1 variant got here, how it spread, where it is. Um, there's a whole bunch of open questions around that one yet. And, you know, as I said, they we're now famous all over the world. The UK Guardians reported it. It's the worst outbreak of the P1 variant outside of Brazil, where that variant was first detected. And uh, on that note, we're going to have a throne speech then, as you mentioned, too, all about getting past the third wave, yeah. where I think a lot of people will hear that and say, well, what for? Then as if, if, if getting past the second wave, as you said, got us to the third wave. So is this to get us to the fourth wave? Uh, good point. And, and we're not just getting a throne speech today, which is supposed to map out the the plan for recovery, but it's supposed to set up the budget on the 20th of April, which is coming up as well. So the government delayed the throne speech and the budget, their decision. They called an election, put the government into caretaker mode. The New Democrats did that. That delayed everything. So here we are on the schedule laid out by the New Democrats, 
And a bitter irony, it turns out that their choice, their agenda, put the budget and the throne speech in the middle of the third wave of the pandemic. And I think you're right, Jill. I think people will continue to have trouble focusing on the details of the NDP's recovery plan when they still feel caught up for good reason in the third wave uh, and how long we're going to be struggling with it. Uh, And also today, don't businesses today get to start uh, applying for the circuit breaker relief money? Yes, the circuit breaker relief money, um, which um, as, as again, some news reports have made clear, is actually not new money. It's diverted from the original economic recovery money for businesses that the New Democrats announced way back on the day they called the election, back in September 21. Turned out, oh, they said the money's ready to go out the door. Turned out it wasn't ready to go out the door. They had to redo the program and change the the application rules in December after the election. They had to redo them again and change them uh, before the end of the fiscal year. And now they've uh, diverted some money from that fund uh, for the recovery money. So, you know, third time lucky, I hope for businesses. I know they need it. Uh, there are businesses in the provinces that are, the province that are clinging to the cliff, the edge of the cliff. There are workers who were laid off, what, a second time, maybe a third time, uh, needing help. All very, very important. I think the, certainly the wish is to put this behind us. The question, the only open question really is, how long will it take to put it behind us? And had they acted more decisively sooner, would it already be behind us? A lot of questions. Uh, hopefully we'll get some answers uh, later today. Vaughn, thank you so much. We'll talk, talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That is Vaughn Palmer with the Vancouver Sun. And uh, you'll hear the throne speech, at least part of the throne speech, here on CKNW, as well, the latest COVID numbers, the briefing happening at 3 p.m. this afternoon.